Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello, and welcome to episode 562. This would typically be a, an episode released on a Friday that I would record a, I would talk about a verse from the parents doubted Ching. However, today I wanted to talk about how to talk to your kids about the violence, and the events at Capitol Hill this week. Uh, There's a really good article that Common Sense Media put out, and uh, I will post that in the show notes when I post this episode, so you can go check that out and see what they have to say, because they break it down also by age group and how much detail to give your kids But I wanted to also share some thoughts here for you. I remember when Sandy Hook happened. My kids at that time were in kindergarten, second grade, and fifth grade. So that put them like five, seven, and ten, I believe. And I remember emailing the kindergarten teacher that day and asking if any information had gotten through to her classroom. And she said no. No, none of the kids knew about it. She wasn't discussing it. They were in their bubble, and that was good. And so I knew that he hadn't, my son hadn't heard anything before he got home that day. And we absolutely kept the news off until the nighttime when we could check it after they were in bed. My second grader and fifth grader were exposed to different amounts of information according, you know, obviously because of their age. And I think today it would be, they would be exposed to even more because of smartphones and technology. But back then, when my son came home We did it kind of after dinner, so there wouldn't be too much time to ruminate on it, but there was enough time before bedtime because my daughter tends to uh, hold on to things and need time to process it, but I didn't want her ruminating on it all day. And so with my son, who was a kindergartner, I asked him if he heard about what happened in the world that day, and he had no idea. And I basically just said to him, in a place that's very far from where we live, a bad person did a bad thing and a lot of people got hurt 
and he was fine with that information. He didn't ask another question, and he felt sad that this bad thing had happened. He didn't ask what the bad thing was. He didn't want any more information, and I didn't give him any more information. And that was enough to satisfy him. And then with my second grader, I asked her if she had heard what happened. And she had heard little bits. She knew that something bad had happened, but she didn't really fully get details to to understand. So I just said that a person who had a lot of very severe problems went to a school very, very far from where we live, which is true, and hurt people, and some people died, and that everyone was very sad about this this event. And she was shocked to know that this could even happen, and she was very, very sad about it. But she she didn't ask a lot of questions, and I tried to keep it as obviously truthful and as undetailed as possible. Not only because of her age, but because of her extreme sensitivity. And that was enough for her. And then I talked to my fifth grader, my son, closer to bedtime, and I asked him if he had heard what had happened. And he said yes. And so I asked him what he heard, and he told me, minute details of what he had heard. And so, uh, number one, I was really surprised that he had that much information. But number two, not all of it was, um, not all all of it was accurate. And so we kind of went through the timeline of what happened and when he told me something that was not accurate, I clarified it for him. I explained to him what actually happened so that he had a full understanding and I made sure that any misconceptions were cleared up. He's not a really sensitive child, a person. He's 18 now. He's not overly sensitive. And so he was able to handle a discussion of those details without feeling anxious or overwhelmed or any of that stuff. So that's how I handled it in when the events <clears throat> happened at Sandy Hook. I, I've spoken to parents who had children, school-aged children of all ages, when the events of 9-11 occurred. And because that was before the era of smartphones they were able to manage <clears throat> how information arrived to their kids a lot easier than we are now in this era. Some teachers in, that of parents that I spoke to, their, their kids who were in high school, some of their teachers brought vi- uh, TVs into the classroom so that they could watch the events unfold. At the younger grades from the people I spoke to, it didn't seem that, that that had happened, and they were shielding the kids from the information and kind of, you know, a lot of times allowing the parents to handle updating the kids. But all of that is gone now because kids have smartphones and iPads and iPods 
pods and all this kind of stuff at such young ages and they have access to information way faster, way younger, way sooner and from more uh, sources, from more devices than ever before. <clears throat> and so oftentimes we're not going to be the the people. We, the parents, are not going to be the people who are going to share the information with our kids. More often than not, we're going to have to help them process what they heard from somewhere else. And so, uh, when the events of Wednesday unfolded, my kids now are 18, 15, and 13. So I have all teenagers. I don't really need to shield them from anything at their ages anymore. And even if I wanted to, which I don't, even if I wanted to, it wouldn't happen because <laughs> they have access to information from so many sources. And even if they didn't see it on their phone or on the computer or whatever, their friends would tell them. So there's no way I could shield them or would even bother trying. Developmentally, they're at an age where they're at a stage where it's time for them to know what's going on in the world. Now, that being said, my boys are far less sensitive. My daughter is hypersensitive. And so when the events unfolded, <clears throat> my kids, my 13-year-old and 15-year-old, they had just wrapped up their online schooling for the day. My 18-year-old was out at his job, which he's actually delivering for DoorDash and loving it. He just started this week, loving it, having so much fun. And I will talk about the DoorDash thing in a future episode because it's very fascinating to me. Uh, the process that I went through to get on board with him doing it and how much he's enjoying it and stuff like that. But that's for another episode that I will record someday soon. Um, because there are a lot of elements to that. But anyway, he was out driving. I certainly didn't want to contact him about any news de developments while he's delivering food. I'm not interested in all, at all in, in having him look at his phone while he's driving, get a text message, whatever. And so I just held off until he got home. And uh, my 13-year-old came into the room, saw what was happening on TV, and was completely disinterested. He did not want to look at it. He didn't want to know about it. He didn't want to talk about it. He just disconnected. He's very resistant to talking about politics. And I haven't figured out why, but I have a feeling that maybe, well, it's very complicated, and I don't think he's ready to kind of wrestle with the concepts yet. And... I think he senses the the extreme divisiveness among people, even his peers. And so he just has no interest in going there. So I let him know what was happening. He was like, okay, I'm out of here. And then he went into the other room. At one point, he heard the TV that was on and he actually came into the room and said to me, you've been watching this long enough. And he hit the off button. And <clears throat> I went in to talk to him and 
I asked him why he had done that and what he thought about what was going on. And he said, I really don't want to talk about it. And I don't know why you keep watching it. And I told him that I want to know what's happening. This is an unfolding situation. I want to know if it's getting worse or if it's resolving. And that's why I had the TV on. So he was just very, he just didn't want to discuss it at all. My daughter, when I told her what was happening, she came and sat in front of the TV with me and she was glued to it. Then my mother-in-law called and she was very upset about it. So we had to talk to her and stuff like that. And so my daughter sat there. She's 15. We watched all of it. And I knew that I would have to do some processing with her at bedtime that night because that's always when she needs to work through whatever upsetting, heavy information she might have heard about that day. So then later in the evening, we we talked to our our 18-year-old son about it. And it ended up, at first he said he didn't, you know, he kind of, he knew what happened. He didn't like it and he didn't really want to talk about it. And we, we pushed him a little bit and it kind of opened the floodgates of a conversation that lasted for hours. I want to say like four or five hours we sat around and that's what we tend to do with him. He doesn't get engaged in deep conversations often with us, but when he does, they could go on for four, five, six hours. It's, it's really interesting. And so we talked about many, many aspects of politics and it went on and on until about one o'clock in the morning. It was a school night and my daughter, when it was getting to be bedtime, I said, we should go up. And she said, I don't want to go. I want to listen to this conversation. And she's been feeling like she doesn't have a full grasp of political issues even though we talk about it all the time, but she told me that she, she's told me this before too. She feels like she can't hold her own in a discussion with her peers. So she really didn't want to go to bed. She wanted to learn more about what our thoughts were, what the issues were, stuff like that. So I let her stay up until one on a school night, listening to this conversation, knowing that I still was going to have to process it with her when she went to bed. So we had this long conversation We wrapped it up. I went upstairs to tuck her in and it all started coming out. She was wound up. She was upset. She was anxious. She was this, that, and the other. And I had to help her digest this heavy, heavy, heavy day for about an hour or more. It was after two when I finally left her room. And she was still so wound up and the the energy of the day was sitting so heavily inside of her that I suggested, I gave her a back rub and we did some deep breathing and I suggested she put the Calm app on her phone, which I had suggested to her a week or two ago after my client told me that they had started playing some of the Calm app's bedtime stories for their son who was having trouble sleeping and it was really helping him. So I recommended it to my daughter, but she didn't act on it. And then Wednesday night, I suggested it again. I said, look, they have wonderful, soothing bedtime stories. I know someone who used it and her son really likes it and it helps him to fall asleep. And so she put it on. She, we, we loaded it onto her phone and then she 
listened to a bedtime story and she was very much looking forward to it because I said, it'll talk about a different subject and get your mind off of all the stuff and it'll be soothing and relaxing. And so that was the only thing that allowed her to really disconnect and switch her focus to something else. And the next day she said that the one that she listened to, which was actually read by Harry Styles, who she really likes, she was really excited to listen to it. She said it was about 50 minutes long, I believe. And she woke up at one point and she was 19 minutes into the story. So she just pressed pause and went back to bed. So it really was effective at helping her to disconnect from the heavy events of the day, put her focus onto something that was very soothing and relaxing and go on about her day or move through into going to sleep. And since then, uh, None of them have been too overly focused or, or um, anxious or anything about the events that have gone on. Of course, so far since Wednesday, things have been calm. There haven't been any more violent protests or anything like that. Now there's the fallout with all of the leaders trying to figure out how they are going to react or respond to this. People calling out the president and calling out the actions and, you know, how are we going to respond as a governing body to this event, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But anyway, so with sharing all of these things of how I have dealt with big, heavy news events in my family, I hope that this gives you some ideas, but if I were to break, if I needed to break it down to basic elements, I would say for really young children, you know, toddlers, three, four years old, hopefully you can shield them from it entirely. But there's no guarantee with the internet and devices. Once they're a little bit older, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, depending on their developmental level, not just their age, but you might be able to say something very basic. Some very angry people broke into the, our, one of our buildings in Washington and they, they, you know, broke things and hurt people. And you can keep it pretty basic. And then the older they get and more developmentally advanced they get, you're going to have to sort through the details of it. And you can also ask them, you know, depending on their age and their development, developmental level, how do you feel about these events? As they get old, as if they're older, you can say, what do you think about how people are responding, how leaders are responding publicly to this? What do you think, do you have any ideas of how you think the government and the Congress or the vice president should respond? Should anything be done to the president in response to this, or should he just be allowed to serve out the last 13 days of his uh, presidency? What are your thoughts? How do you feel about it? If they want to talk about it, like my younger son, they might not want to talk about it, but I think that, you know, I think it's important to give them the truth, but give them the, the least amount of information possible when they're younger, and then as they get older and they're going to hear and see and read more, ask 
make sure that what they've heard is truthful and accurate, and then ask them how they feel and help them to process it. It's so complicated for us as adults to understand and to make sense of. The scenes of what happened at the Capitol are so traumatizing that our, our government building would be invaded and that our law enforcement would be caught so unprepared. And the difference between how uh, law enforcement responded to this riot and pro- versus the things that happened with the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer. There's so much. It's so heavy. It's so deep. It's so complex. And so I think just as you're trying to grapple with it and trying to make sense of it, it's important for you to try to help your kids make sense of it too, to the degree that they're able to handle the details based on their developmental level. This is one of the challenging things about parenting and with being in the information age that we are, it's even more challenging, but I think it's important. Oh, the other thing I wanted to add, this is really important, I feel. Mr. Rogers' mom told him when, when terrible things happen, look for the helpers. There are always helpers. And... I don't know that I would call these helpers. I I think you could call them helpers, but all through the last couple of months since the election, as the president has and his team have uh, filed lawsuit after lawsuit, we've seen judges stand up to the pressure and throw out lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. There's been no widespread evidence of any kind of fraud and no, the, 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 the people not Congress, mind you, but the people out, the elected leaders in our government at smaller levels who've been pressured from judges to uh, state election officials to even as high as the Supreme Court. They've stood their ground. They've protected our democracy. This is incredible, incredible. These, These people, the courage that they have, they've faced threats of all kinds, pressure from the top down, and they haven't caved. And that is, uh, that is a, an example of courage under fire like I've never seen. And then what we saw of the Congress on Wednesday, you can say what you want about the people in Congress who have enabled this president for far too long, but what we saw out of the Congress on Wednesday when Nancy Pelosi said, as soon as we are allowed back into that building, we are going to finish this job. And they went back into that building and they stayed till the wee hours of the morning and they were determined they are not going to let the events of Wednesday stop them from upholding our democratic process. Wow, I get chills just saying those words. Those people's lives were in danger. They had to go into lockdown Wednesday afternoon. A lot of our Congress people are elderly. They're in their 70s and 80s. They got up at whatever normal time they got up on Wednesday, knowing they were going to have a busy, intense day. They never could have imagined the events that unfolded. Then they go into lockdown. They go into secure hiding places. And then when the all clear is given, they go back and they didn't finish until I think 3.30 or later in the night, in the morning. 
And these people, are, some of them are in their 70s and 80s. The strength and the fortitude and the courage that they showed to go back into that building, that same building where their lives were in danger just a few hours earlier, the courage that they had to come together, unify, and finish the job that they were required to do is so inspiring. And so with all of the talks that you'll be having with your kids over this, I encourage you, no matter their age, to point out the courage and the integrity of people in this situation. It's so inspiring. And so it's complicated, it's nuanced, it's traumatizing, and you can always find the helpers. You can always find the heroes. This has been a tumultuous week in the U.S., and I think also around the world. I've talked to my friend, some friends in Europe, and they're just so sad to, to witness what is happening here. And so it's been a rough week that's part of a rough year, a rough 12 months that we've lived through. And uh, wow, I know the brighter days are coming, but we're still in the midst of the turmoil the virus, the political landscape, the transition, all of it. So I just encourage you to do your best to process it. Take care of yourself. Reduce your stress. Make sure you're getting sleep and moving your body and eating good food. And then help your kids to do that. Encourage them and model that for them. Because that's all we can ever do in any of these situations. Okay, I think I've rambled on long enough. That wraps up today's episode. Wherever you are in this world, I hope that you can make it a peaceful day for yourself and your children. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to Aaron at Aaron-Taylor.com if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.